Conversate Trans is an intergenerational podcast series exploring trans culture. The podcast, developed by the Sterlings Collective with funding from Create in collaboration with Tenny, with continued participation of the trans community, explores invisible histories and culture through intergenerational dialogue and archival materials. Having worked closely with members of the trans community over the last two years, the collective recognized the need for intergenerational dialogue and community care for trans people, and this podcast aims to be one part of this. Hi, I'm Jewel. And I'm Alexandra. And today we're doing a live episode where we invited some of their lovely past guests, as well as some lovely new speakers, such as Lynn Tracy, who's a parent of a trans child, Bridget Quiglin, who's a member of the traveling community and is here as an ally, and Aaron Carroll, who's the head of the Tenny. And we've brought together all these lovely people in anticipation of the Trans Day of Visibility, which is coming at the end of March. Like most of their episodes, this is a free-form discussion, oh God, <laughs> where we should be giving each of our participants a chance to speak and who can introduce themselves much more better than I can. Uh, so we're going to hand it over to our uh, lovely friend and a uh, member of the Sterlings, who we previously uh, had on the show, Lilith Ferrer and Carl. Oh no, I messed up. <laughs> Lilith. <laughs> Hey, how you doing? I knew you were going to do that. Um, yeah, so um, because there's a big crowd of people here today, um, they, I've been asked to just uh, facilitate uh, this, the discussion today. Um, we um, we have uh, one guest, um, Claire, who uh, we've tried to have on the podcast a couple of times, but unfortunately Claire's a little bit hard of hearing. So we're waiting um, until COVID gets a little bit better um, so that we can maybe have a, um, have a kind of in the real world recording uh, with her but um she did leave um a, a message <clears throat> and i know that one of the the, the other sterlings are uh, going to uh, just read out uh, the message that she uh, sent uh, today okay, it is like quite a long message but i will try to be read it quite clearly and fast okay so Claire said, having been a trans activist for over 40 years, I could never have imagined that one day we would have our own day of visibility. And it shows just how far we have come in time. And back then, there was no mention of trans people in Ireland. We didn't exist as far as the populace were concerned. When I was a young teenager, my own father bet me through daring to wear clothes normally worn by females. There were extremely difficult times being transgender. If a reference appeared in the media, we were always described as transsexuals, a word I despised if it had sexual connotations closely aligned to the version, and of course, nothing could be further from reality due to our lack of visibility. I know I felt like some sort of freak, and finding other trans people was very difficult. I remember the first interview I ever did was with Nula Fennel of the Evening Herald. Sorry if I got that wrong. Though I have no idea how it came about and can only summarize it, someone who knew both of us put us in contact. Through the times that were in it, Nula did a very sensitive interview. She later joined the Finnegale party and was selected to doll, and then she became a government minister. Ironically, I joined the Finnegale party in 1983 and was the candidate in 1985 in local elections and was elected to the Dublin City Council for the Clontarf Ward. I was also elected deputy leader of the Thinegal on the city council. As it wasn't out of the time, I was very worried some journalists would discover I was trans. I would be exposed to such my six years on the council. 
and being holder of some higher profile positions, mainly to do with the Dublin Millennial in 1988, another happened. I was the candidate in two general elections in 1987 and again in 1989 in Dublin Northwest. Not exactly a bedrock for the Fine Gael party. I'm still involved with Fine Gael as a member of its LGBT steering committee and then specifically its trans officer. I'm also a member of the working group for the EPPE, European People's Party Devising Protocols and Trans Issues. We have an LGBT document including trans issues included in the program for government. The point I want to make is that there are many ways to contribute to making life better for a trans community, and one of those is politics. It is quite different now to what it was like all those years ago, and I would urge anyone interested to get involved. That brings me to the Starlings, who, in my opinion, are doing Trojan work for the trans community in an entirely innovative way, and I have been involved in a few of those too. I was particularly impressed with the project last year on the 1st of February at St. Bridget's Day. When they succeeded in having images of trans women on the Porto Tico of the GPO on the facade of the National Museum at Collins Barracks, I feel we are all enriched by the Starlings' wonderful work for our community and wish them even more success in the future. Claire Farrell. So that's it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> thanks, Jills. And thanks, Claire, for your uh, contribution. Yeah. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, so I, I might um, move actually to, to Sarah. Um, you were you've been involved with the stirrings for um, for quite a for a couple of years now um, uh, before this uh, podcast, and you were one of the well you were the first uh, re- recording that we released one of our first guests, um, and it'd be it'd be uh, I guess it'd be nice to maybe get a bit of uh, a perspective on how you feel that the podcast has developed your experience on the show. Um, and you know how you feel that uh, this work kind of fits into a historical com- context, I guess, for um, in terms of like the Irish Trans Archive and trans history in general. Yeah, thanks, Lilith, and, and it's great to see everybody here. It's such a great opportunity. You don't see panel shows with so many trans people or allies in the one space, you know. So even that one opportunity, this great opportunity to see this, is amazing, and have so many diverse voices. So really well done for bringing this together. And I think the Conversation Trans podcast itself is such a brilliant thing. And I know we've talked in the past about the the need for something like this and how more and more we need to see more trans people putting out content. Um, I think, first of all, I have to say that the first um, kind of interview that I did was seems so long ago now, but, um, and it just felt like a conversation with friends um, you know, because as, as you say, I've been uh, working to a certain degree and nearly in most of the projects with uh, Jules and Alexandra and Alicia in the past and some of the other projects we've done, um, you know, uh, from the very start. And it's such a brilliant extension every single time. It, it expands and it grows and something bigger that you're producing. But, but I do think it's always for me when I'm involved in it, it's very much about that community space it's about that kind of involvement of each one of us being able to have the space to express ourselves, but also be able to put that out into the wider world for other people to see us as that we're just part of this society. You know, we are here, we've been here for a long, long time. And I think, you know, putting these stories, whether it was the, the very first project that, that Jules and Alexandra did with, with Izzy Kamikaze and myself around looking at what it was like for trans people and gay people back 
in the past and what it's like, you know, and the in lots of ways mirroring their experience with ours. But things have while things have changed dramatically, in lots of ways, things haven't changed either in lots of different things. So, you know, I think it's important to get those stories out and it's important to keep documenting them. And I think that's what the work that they've been doing. It's not just about what's happening now. It's also what's happening in the past and linking those two things together. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, it's just such a wonderful, like I can't stop praising it anyway, no matter what it's every time I see them doing something, it's, it's always such a, a huge joy to my heart and, yeah, they just made me feel old as they always do, but uh, that's kind of that's always fun as well, um, you know. But the the podcast, I suppose, the interview was very much about you know my own history, trans history in Ireland, but also uh, yeah, just sort of kind of uh, talking to friends as well. That's that's great. Um... Aaron, um, you're the you're the new CEO of Tenny, um, although I, I don't know if it, if you're still new. I don't know how, when that stops being the case, but um, I, I guess it would be nice to um, maybe just hear um, a little bit about um, I guess um, just your thoughts around Trans Day of Visibility, and maybe talk a little bit about some of the stuff that Tenny has um, kind of up and coming over the next uh, few days, and uh, to kind of and kind of tie in with uh, with that date. Yeah, thanks, Lilith. And I'm really glad to like be a part of like the podcast with everyone else here. I think I'm still new. I think I still have the new car smell, like little tree that, that still works. So that hasn't worn off yet. So, but yeah, like I think Trans Day of Visibility for me is one of like my favorite days for the community because as opposed to like Trans Day of Remembrance, there's a little bit more celebration that goes along with like Trans Day of Visibility that reminds us like how far we've come and we've seen how much like our community has done and continues to do and continue to grow. Um, So like, I think it's like great. It stinks that like we're still in a pandemic world and can't like get together to celebrate. But like, I think this year, like still having the opportunity to share all of that work and history is great. Um, Tenny has a ton going on this week and a lot of that is thanks to like the work that you've done Um, so like you know we're glad to be a part of this podcast there's going to be an amazing mental health panel coming up on Monday night um, that's going on there's going to be some great stories that we get to share out on social media from our community we're going to have a live panel later in the day on Trans Day of Visibility um, just to kind of have some members of our community talk about their experiences with visibility and what that means for them. Um, And then we're also going to be doing a couple of other like one-offs with a couple of other organizations that we're still finalizing the details on. So it'll be a really busy week. Um, Oh, and there's also a documentary photography course kicking off. So yes, there's, there's a ton. Um, I think I have all of that. (laughs) You can throw in any, anything that I forgot. I, I think, I think, I think you have everything covered there, at least that I can think of anyway. Um, and yeah, and maybe we might um, we might have you as a, a standalone guest at some stage in the in the future as well. And I'm, I'm sure that um, there'll be a lot of people in the in the community who would like to learn a little bit more about you and and, and that sort of thing. So, but uh, thanks so much for for joining us this evening. Um, I'm going to jump over to um, to Delroy actually. Um, 
I, I particularly enjoyed um, the podcast uh, that you did with the, the Sterlings. And one of the things that really kind of stood out, I think, was um, maybe kind of towards the end. And I think it's kind of a characteristic of the podcast is that people bring the item, they talk about um, that item, then maybe they talk about something that they particularly uh, is burning and they want to kind of bring across. And then it, it often kind of comes to this kind of stage towards the end of the podcast where, um, <clears throat> you know, you, you talk about, kind of your community and how you've engaged with the community and it was it was great uh listening to you know your time uh, in South Africa and the stories you used to write that you're never going to share with anyone uh, and kind of you know the fact that you kind of grew grew up in a very different uh, environment than uh, a lot of trans people here you know you don't necessarily have role models or and um, even know what trans was but you kind of just lived it anyway in just the, the life that you've had um, but uh, yeah I'd, I'd be interested in kind of maybe your reflections since the podcast came out or and also just you know your thoughts are in Trans Day of Visibility as well okay uh, thanks so much uh, for having me here um, it was like a lovely pod- podcast to do like I enjoyed being on the show with you um, uh, it is a great uh, platform to be able to talk about um who you are, how how far you've come, you get to reflect on how far you've come as well. Um, so uh, what I like about this show, for example, like for for, for myself, it's like um, in as much as, of course, it's important to talk about um, a trans healthcare, but um, it's also important to talk about who we really are, to show uh, the community who we really are, to show people out there who really these trans people are. Because sometimes maybe people will be they are not so accepting, maybe because they don't know. They, they are scared of who we are. They don't know who we are. They, we've been portrayed in different ways in, in in the media. So now that we we have this platform, we get to talk about who who I am, what I like, and not just um trans healthcare. It is important. Don't get me wrong, but it's also it's an, it's an, it's an important aspect to talk about who we really are and um show people how far we've come and really what we want to achieve in future. So um for me. Trans Day of Visibility. It is um, it is a day when we get to show the world who we really are. Like I've said, uh, we just bring in our an, an awareness of who really these trans people are, and then uh, maybe by that um, they could, we will be accepted uh, even more, much better. That way, uh, I won't lie. I'm nervous, Lilith, so I'll just leave it here. <laughs> oh, that was brilliant! No, thank you so much for your contribution. Yeah, and um, there's people clapping. <laughs> Uh, in the in the audience there and um, uh, thank you so much um and yeah I, I, i'll maybe bring it around to um to eilish um i think your uh, episode um was yeah it was it was something else it was in, incredibly engaging um and uh, i'm sure you have your own um, opinions um, from being involved uh, so heavily in activism over the years around Trans Day visibility and and your thoughts around that as well. Oh, I always have opinions. Uh, <laughs> so I guess I have mixed feelings about Trans Day of Visibility um, because really there's kind of two Trans Days of Visibility. Um, ever since this popped up a number of years ago, I've always been kind of um, visibility without um, agency as exploitation. 
Um, so there's the trans day of visibility that we as trans people do among ourselves. And, you know, that was as a trans kid growing up, that was really important to me, you know, seeing, you know, trans elders kind of just existing. Um, and then there's kind of this, this thing, and it's, I, I think it's a dangerous trap that we sometimes get into where we're just like you. We just want to, we're just like you. And we kind of play to this kind of cis thing and the cis normativity. And, you know, that's not the trans day of visibility I care about. Um, it, it, it's, it's, I, 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 I see like the visibility of the Caitlyn Jenner and I just don't care about that. And I don't think it's helpful. And um, it, 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 in a lot of ways, I think it, it, it kind of damages us in that we're playing to that. And it's one of the things that like I've been, like every time Trans Day of Visibility, and I jokingly call it Trans Day of Vengeance, Trans Day uh, of Versatility, Trans Day of a number of uh, jokey terms, but it's, it's a more interested in kind of an intercommunal communal visibility. Um, from a historical perspective, when um, I came out, I immediately went stealth um, and didn't tell anyone for a number of years. And a couple of years ago, I, and part of that was I was sick and tired of getting fired from jobs. Um, so a couple of years ago, I had to, I got put in a uh, very public facing position where I had to make a decision. Um, do I not tell anyone about this and stay stealth or do I control the information and just come out? And there wasn't anyone who had done that in my career path except like Lynn Conway. Um, and so, you know, having like what she did and what she went through visible to me uh, was actually really helpful. Um, but yeah, from a trans day of visibility standpoint, I like the visibility that we do intercommunal and I kind of don't care about being visible to cis people. I get you. I, I hope that this podcast is um, maybe a little bit of a reflection of that, of, of the community itself. Oh, this is, this is why I love this podcast. <laughs> Because yeah. it is about trans people and for trans people. Yeah, that that, that was always the I guess the the plan with it, um, and uh, to kind of make that platform for ourselves, and uh, so that we could speak with our own voice. Um, but um, yeah, um, maybe you could um, tell um, some of the um, maybe the cis members of the audience a little bit about uh, Trans Day of Pizza. Yeah, no, today, is it today that's it's Trans Day of Pizza? Um, I, I forget what it is. I don't even remember who, who created it. For some reason, someone, uh, my friend Aoife thought I created it. And I'm like, no, it's an actual day, but I didn't create it. And it's this, it, it initially started as this jokey thing where, you know, it, as trans 
people, especially, you know, if you come from a, a somehow disadvantaged background, it's, oh, great, you're talking about Caitlyn Jenner or this person or that person, and I am looking at my bank account and I am empty. Um, so someone started a, a trans day of pizza where cis people have to buy us pizza. And for years, I made my friend Aoife buy me a pizza. I'm just like, go buy me a pizza. And I forget what day it is. And honestly, I think every day should be trans day of pizza. Um, but yeah, no, I, it, it's a silly thing that I think, I think us uh, cynical uh, trans folks have uh, kind of did in response to the visibility thing, especially with the whole like transgender tipping point that came out. It's like, great, wonderful. Everyone's going to be up our rear ends kind of sniffing around and we don't have agency to kind of control like what our what our lives are like, right? So you know, and this loops back to the whole, you know, visibility without agency is exploitation. So, yeah, well, maybe we can, maybe in Ireland we can start maybe trying to publicizing Trans Day Pizza so that we can kind of get our get our fill. Uh, oh, please do. Except no sweet corn. Ew, ew. <laughs> I think uh, I think Alicia and Tony are listening to this. I'm getting nervous now. Pizza for everyone, Tony. Um, <laughs> um, so uh, I, I wanted to move on, uh, maybe to to uh, Ali. Um, you were the um, guest that introduced or was very prominent in introducing the concept of um, sports balls and balls. <laughs> Um, and um, kind of maybe left uh, Jill's and Alexandra a little bit out of their depth, which was very entertaining. Uh, and I also just wanted to take the opportunity. Uh, at the time, I think you had um, your script for your short movie had been kind of, um, it was shortlisted, but uh, you might maybe want to uh, talk about what has happened since then. Wait, wait. First off, I wanted to clarify something. I thought... Our payment for appearing on this was pizza from Tony and Alicia. Is that was that not the deal? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh, also, to, uh, also, I would just say I'm so honored to be here. Like I'm looking here at some faces of like people who I've really looked up to. Um, I think I'm like there's just so many members of the community here, and it's just so wonderful to be amongst them. It's just like wow, like like so many people that are just amazing uh and it kind of reminds me of a conversation i had with sarah uh maybe two three years ago when i actually was new to stand-up comedy and she kind of pointed out no matter what you did you're never the first trans person and <laughs> i think it's something that as a community we sometimes are very bad at is paying uh homage to people who made our lives a lot easier and showed us the way forward. Uh, so I just want to say thank you to all of them. Uh, yeah. Um, so sports balls. Want to talk sports balls? We talk sports balls. Apparently we're talking sports. First of all, my movie's about skateboarding, okay? Uh, that's like the least sporty of sports. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I thought uh, it was it was a really interesting experience. And I guess like uh, trans people in sports is something that isn't really talked about a huge amount unless it's very negative. And if for some reason, 
as particularly cis men seem obsessed with winning and they're like, what oh, is the point of sport? Not participation. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, is it not to enrich all our lives and that we all should have access to in a way that isn't self-conscious. So yeah. Um, yeah. I, we wanted to talk about the movie, I guess. Yeah. Go for it. I'm going to wait for you. I'm like, I'm not used to, as a comedian, I'm not used to having people not communicate back. So I'm just a little bit off out there. Uh, yeah, no. So the movie, uh, we were recently lucky enough, uh, to get, to win the Virgin Media Discovers, uh, short movie competition. Um, and we're selected from over 700 entries to basically make a movie, uh, which is something very exciting that me and my uh, co-creator and direct director, um, Becky Cheadle, another trans woman, are very excited about. It's two trans people writing and making a movie uh, with our wonderful producer, Amado, and it's telling a story of trans people in a 3D way, and it's something that's incredibly exciting and something, I guess, links up here, um, again, with trans people making content that's actually by trans people and realistic and for trans people. Uh, so hopefully we'll have a slightly wider audience, I guess, um, as it's uh, going to be shown on Virgin Media next year and at the Dublin International Film Festival. So incredibly exciting and uh, daunting. And I wouldn't be lying if I to told you that I didn't have uh, imposter syndrome. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, very exciting. No, congratulations. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. Uh, Thank you I, so much. And uh, look forward to um, being invited to the premiere. Can I just ask Ali a quick question? Sure. Um, what kind of ball do you use in your Planescape merch? <laughs> ball bearings, okay? I'm going to be a... You asked me a smart-ass question, I'm going to give you a smart-ass answer. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I hopefully get to see you all soon. So I, I suppose that one, one, the, when we started this podcast, um, the, I guess the original kind of premise was to um, involve um, kind of elders within the uh, community, although I'm sure some people would not necessarily see themselves as that. Um, but as kind of time has gone on, we've kind of widened uh, that uh, kind of gamut. And um, we ha our youngest um, uh, participant uh, was uh, is Ollie Bell. Um, who uh, they um, are also have had uh, an impact um, that is um, kind of much larger than themselves. I think it's fair to say in in the uh, work that they've done in terms of trans pride, and uh, they're now br branching out into poetry, um, as we saw in the latest podcast that came out. Um, and yeah, I just I guess I, um, it'd be nice to hear uh, Ali watch. Um, uh, your thoughts on doing the podcast and thoughts around maybe trans day visibility and you know um what what uh, what do you have planned next you're going to be writing a novel oh i wish <laughs> i don't think i've the the attention or concentration to write a full novel but uh yeah i i really enjoyed the podcast just cuz um I, I guess I really like talking about politics, but I also really like, you know, performing and like doing uh, poetry and stuff like that. So it was kind of like good to have like a mix of stuff. And like, I I like listened back to the episode and we like talked about a load of different like things in just such a short space of time. So it was 
it was like really fun to do um yeah and I guess my thoughts on trans day uh, of visibility is that you know I guess we can use this as a way to to make visible uh the issues in our community because you know the media and like um transphobes and like turfs they will like try and paint a really bad image around like trans people and it's really important for us to be like no uh this is who we are and be really resilient and being like, no, we're actually not going to take, <laughs> take your shit. We're, we're here. We're queer. We're, we're proud. We're, we're not going to take it. Um, kind of let, letting people know about some of the issues that are faced that our community faces, um, which is kind of like what I, I kind of think, Trans day of visibility should be about, you know. That's great. Um, also as well, um, we we kind of because of the the live podcast and the format that, format that's in it, we've we've uh, widened our, um, I guess our, our remit again, and we have um a couple of uh, other uh, special guests uh, with us this evening, um, and one of them is uh, Lynn. Um, so Lynn, you're the um you're the you're the parent parent of a trans person. Um, uh, someone who's at, and now they're uh, she's twenty one. Is that twenty one? And but uh, I guess that you um, have been a, kind of a, a supportive parent that has been by her side of, um, for a lot longer than that. And I suppose it, it would be uh, interesting to kind of hear a, pers- a perspective around trans day visibility uh, as a fam as a family member, um, and also you know. I don't know if you would like to have thoughts or would like to speak on the the current kind of situation that a lot of younger trans people are are finding themselves in. I guess this is kind of a show that's kind of a little bit more geared for adults, but I guess we we felt it was important that that the voices of those of us that are a little bit younger might be echoed tonight as well. Sure, um, and delighted to be here, Lilith. To be honest, it's uh, it's uh, I, I love being in the minority as a token cis person, but I know I'm not tokenistic in any way. But uh, that's what that's what I would love to see our future. Um, we were very lucky, and I use that term carefully when in the timing that Alice came out because she was she was 16. Um, and we were able to avail of services very quickly. So we we got she came out on March the 4th, 2016, and she had her diagnosis, which is the horrible pathological view of, of um, gender dysphoria in June. So she was able to register with Lachlanstown to get on the list. Um, and we were very fortunate that we had CAMS with uh, uh, who were really supportive and Aileen Murta, who was fantastic. And so things happened. Now, when I say they happened quickly, it's very relative. It didn't feel like it was fast at the time. I mean, it was a year before she had her first appointment. But in fact, I think we bumped into you, Lilith, and, and there. But um, her mental, um, she, she was f- very fragile in terms of her mental strength at that point. I think it's quite, I'm cis, I'm, you know, hetero. I, you know, it's really difficult for me to understand 
what it must be like to to live in you know to be not who you are and and so she was very fragile and if i if she if 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 she had had to wait 2 years to even get registered for treatment i don't think she'd be here today and i think that's the reality and i it's the fact that people under the age of 18 have no services available in this country is is just horrendous to my mind you know she she got on the list she got to see she got you know after 2 years she she got her hormone treatment we were able to support her you know tenny was there I mean, I was like a lunatic the night she came out, like Googling, you know, what do we do? What do we do? How do we help her? Um, and we were, you know, just we had a really good GP who, you know, just everything worked for her. But I know that's not the case for a lot of young people. And we're also fortunate that, you know, we were able to afford to send her for private counseling. We were able to afford to send her for, to a clinic. Like that's, you know, so many young people don't have that that facility and I just think as a as a as a parent of a trans child there are a couple of things sorry I'm I'm rambling a bit so excuse me because I tend to do that but so first of all I don't think she'd be here if if the services that she were able was able to avail of weren't here the second thing that I found really shocking and it shouldn't have shocked me um and again being you know cis heterosexual just hadn't occurred to me is that she would spend the rest of her life coming out and people feel, and another thing is the questions that people ask me. You know, the the, the like I was asked by a, you know a, a, a cousin's wife one day, like, so is she having her surgery? And I said, well, how is your daughter's vagina? Because I reckoned it was the only responsible, you know, the only valid response. You know, like why do people think it's okay to ask me about my child's genitals? You know, it just seems to give people permission. So. On Trans Day of Visibility, I'd like that to be something that we could talk about. Like, my bits are my bits. And you can, you know, uh, you, you can choose to discuss your own bits with people, but don't ask me about my bits or any bits belonging to any member of my family. So those sorts of things. So I just, you know, my ambition is to make this a world where Alice is Alice. And, you know, her her trans who she who she has been, who she will be in the future has nothing to do with how people perceive her. But it's days like this and programs like this that make that more and more possible. And just all credit to all of the people involved. And, you know, it's it's fantastic to see people talking about the positive sides of being trans. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I think people who are trans have a resilience and a strength. Like, on, as I'm on the board of Tenny, I've met a lot of trans people. And there is a strength and a resilience and a resolve and and a and a fundamental belief that is extraordinary and I don't think exists in the cis community because we haven't had to go through the challenges and the everyday things that you all have that that, that trans people have to go through and non-binary people explaining non-binary. I've explained it so many times, like you know, just get over it. You know, if somebody wants to be they, they're they. That's it. What's the problem? It doesn't affect you. So sorry, I've rambled and I don't know if I made any sense, but I. <laughs> no, no, I think it was really, really powerful. And it, it, it is great to kind of get maybe a perspective that's, you know, slightly removed, but it's also somebody that can, you know, 
can see things kind of with their own eyes about the, um, you know, uh, young trans people kind of coming up and the difficulties that they have to, to face. And I guess, you know, it is worth kind of just mentioning that the trans healthcare for um, under 18s is just uh, as it stands currently non-existent, which is just, it, it should be a national scandal. But unfortunately, it just doesn't necessarily get the uh, attention that it, it it deserves, you know. Um, and it's it's you know, if, there, if there's one thing that maybe people that listen tonight or that sort of thing, you know, um, you know, you know, talk, you know, this this is something that needs to be told and it needs to be shared, and people need to know more about that. You know, we can't have uh, adolescents. Um, you know, waiting for years while their bodies are, you know, changing in ways that they just can't manage, you know, it's hard enough as an adult. Um, yeah. But, you know, when you're going through it, those changes in real time, it can be incredibly difficult. Um, and, you know, every tra- trans adult was once a trans child as well, you know, it's important to say that. Um, so, um, I, I just wanted to say as well that, um, you know, if, if there's pe- uh, the people that are attending as well, if you have any questions uh, that you would like to ask uh, the guests here tonight, uh, fire them through. We have uh, Tony and Alicia in the background uh, who will be uh, keeping an eye on things as well. So if there's anything you would like to ask, you know, there's a big uh, bunch of uh, amazing people here um, that um, can really answer some um, have some great answers to some of your um, burning questions um, I wanted to move just to our um, I think it's our final guest for tonight I hope I've forgotten anyone else um, but I guess I um, wanted to introduce uh, Bridget Quilligan um, who uh, is uh, well she can speak for herself and and, and talk uh, for herself, uh, but I guess she's our um, our ally uh, this evening. Um, and myself and Bridget have uh, gotten to know each other um, uh, kind of lately. Uh, we've been uh, in conversation, and um, you know, in my mind, is definitely somebody that is um, you know out there and, and really been an ally for the community. Uh, Bridget, you're also a, a member of the traveller community as well. So I think that you would have a lot of insight about, you know, what allyship really is. Um, and also, you know, I guess uh, the trans community are very much a marginalised group within the society. And likewise with um, the the, um, the traveller community, Ormond Carey. And, um, you know, I, I guess it's important to have solidarity, you know, and, um, you know, the trans community is also very small. The travel community is very small. Im- the immigrant community is quite small, but when we're together and we're, um, you know, um, we're working in solidarity, you know, that's when we can really make a ruckus, I suppose, and really kind of affect change. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess I just wanted to, um, like to hear your thoughts around what allyship means for you and, and maybe some of the commonalities that you feel that exist between the, the trans community and the traveller community and maybe even if you had ideas or thoughts around how we could really work together for the common good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when I go on, whether it's to a conference or any panel, you've get into a habit of saying oh I'm delighted to be here it's an honour to be here like I have um, goosebumps since you've all started talking it's literally an honour to 
to be here. I feeling it in every like in my heart, my soul. Um, now I expected to be in LA because I don't think anybody who calls themselves an an activist, a human rights activist, can be anything but an ally if they really are uh, true to the human rights principles that each one of us is born equal and should be treated with equality and equity and that each there's no one of us on this earth that's more important than the other. But what I find in the course of my work and in the course of my life very often is that there's so much hypocrisy. So it's like human rights is some, are something that can be leveraged or something that can be traded or something that can be um, that mine are more important than yours or yours are more important than mine. And I don't get that. I never got that. I never got why we can't meet people for who they are, who they say they are, who they feel they are, rather than who we want them to be. And whether that's somebody in my own life, somebody in my own family, um, or somebody that, you know, in wider, different minority communities. There's a lot of hypocrisy and we see a lot of people on Twitter, a lot of people on social media, a lot of people at meetings, because any of us here who are working in the third sector, maybe you could be going to meetings all day long and you meet people and they tell you, oh, we're allies, we're traveler allies. But being a traveler, sometimes you feel you can't express it. You can't articulate it, but you feel why somebody is not an ally and you can't explain why you know that person's not an ally. But maybe it's that you think that person's not going to stand up with me. That person, when I'm not in the room, that person's not going to bat for me. That person's not going to stand up for me. When that person's sitting around the table with their family at dinner or whatever, and the issues of traveler comes up, that person's not going to stand out for me. And if something really awful happens in the community, that that person's not going to stand up. And I feel that being an ally, and I said this to you, um, Kiva, that I'm not quite there yet. I don't feel that I um, have earned the title of being an ally yet. Um, I feel my like my my heart is there, my my ethics are there, but I haven't done anything super yet to to merit what I believe is being an ally, but. I, what I will, um, I suppose, pledge is that with every fibre of me, you know, anytime there's any um, discrimination or any turfs, I mean, I didn't even know what the, the, the phrase was. I just know that I was, I am a feminist and one of my very close friends, we don't, we no longer speak because about two years ago, she came with this thing around um, the trans community that I completely couldn't. I mean, it left me reeling. It left us all in shock. And even traveler women sitting around that table who had never been, who would never identify themselves as feminists, who would never identify themselves really as activists even, they felt it in their soul that something was really wrong. And there was a woman about 67 years of age. And she pulled her up on it. I pulled her up on it. And since then, we've gone our separate ways. And I suppose in a very roundabout way, we learned that 
not everybody who talks about human rights or women's rights or, um, you know, rights for the LGBT community, right? For whatever reason, it was demonstrated to us that day that trans rights appear for some people to be lower down the agenda. And that's something that we as the traveler community felt um, very, very strongly. And it hurt because we know exactly how that feels. Now, you might correct me and please do correct me um, if I'm talking out of turn. But I suppose what I want to say to you tonight is that in our community, and you will know this uh, through our conversations, we have um, some beautiful young trans people. And I'd love to be able to put my hand on my heart and say, yes, I can trust to guide these young people here or refer these young people here to structures and organizations and supports that are meant to help them and support them. And it's disgusting that I cannot trust our normal support structures all the time to support our young trans community. The reason being their confidences might not be kept. The issue is not understood. It's deliberately misunderstood. And I feel that sometimes people are put in danger because in our community, we have a long way to go around accepting either women or anybody of difference. So myself, I'm a divorced woman and I'm very lucky that I come from um, a very open family. But if I came from a different family, I'm in a new relationship, with, well, it's not new anymore now. It's, um, I'm the second time relationship. A lot of people would refer to me as um, in derogatory terms. But if I came from a different family, I could probably be beaten every day. So you can imagine being a young trans person or a trans person who has to put up with the, the, the societal layer of discrimination. And then you have to put, when you go in home, you have to face it as well. So it's in my interest and it's in our, you know, it, it, it should be part of our organizations, all of the organizations, the tribal organizations across the country. We should have it on our manifestos. We should have it on our work plans to be working very closely with Tenny and learning from all of you, teaching us best practice, how, you know, what we are to do to create more equality and more awareness and not, not, um, not, you know, this meaningless stuff where you're, you're ticking boxes, but real stuff that's going to be the difference between somebody in the trans community or the tribal community or any community not taking their own life because we know there is a very high number of suicides amongst young people in the community. And we don't know whether it's what the reason is for. But we suspect that a number of those young people could not come out to anybody with their true identity. And that's an indictment on us. So I suppose I pledge my, you know, as to be an ally to all of you and to the trans community. But I'm very open and say that I have a long way to go in being a true ally. But checking with me maybe next year, you probably never get rid of me now in terms of wanting to learn from you and 
because as I said to you, Lilith, I, you know, we have people all around us in our own families, in our own community. And that one person where somebody can turn to or trust means an awful lot. And to see and to feel what, to, to look at what people have to do to hide who they are. We can relate to that. But I would say even further that you are undergoing a, another extra layer of discrimination that we don't face. So please use us and direct us in any way that we can be of use because we stand, we do stand in solidarity with you. I'm rambling now because I didn't expect to be so emotional because I'm usually a very contained person. I didn't expect to be, um, to not have the words, if you like. Um, so thank you for sharing the space with me and inviting me. And I, I sincerely mean that. No, um, you know, I, 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 I guess, you know, it, it was my, um, I, I wanted to have you here and I knew exactly what, uh, what your contribution was going to be. And it was more and just, you know, thank you so much. I think it, it, it may, it's, uh, I can probably speak for, um, a lot of people here here as well is that you know that solidarity and uh, that the, that uh, allyship uh, and that ex exchanging of experiences and knowledge has to go both ways too and it's important that you know us as members of the uh, the trans community that are settled and um, or aren't tra travelers themselves that we make sure that we're also you know, we're also understanding and we're informed and we're doing the best to make sure that the spaces that we have are welcoming for traveller people as well. Uh, and, you know, um, I hope that, you know, in the future, you know, in terms like in terms of us uh, hel helping your uh, community and, and um, the organisations that you're working with, I hope that that will also be something that is that we uh, that we can kind of work on together in the other direction, so that you know that people in the trans community have have an op opportunity to have dialogue and to and um, to get to know and to understand um, issues around uh, traveller rights as well. Uh, because we might have come from different sectors or different spheres of life or have different kind of circumstances. But, um, you know, we all we have uh, a lot of common causes as well and a lot of things that we can be working together um, to, you know, to for the better for the betterment of everyone, you know. Um, and the more people stand up together, the less room there is for hatred, racism, discrimination or ignorance, because... If you think 20 years ago, there was use of language that wouldn't be tolerated now. But that took people standing up and not accepting that. So I do feel that the more people in the, the most unlikely places that are standing up for each other, the less acceptable it becomes. And hopefully the easier the path then for people to be exactly who they are themselves without any fear of being able to of being hurt or being um, made fun of or discriminated against because there's nothing like having to internalise that. And it makes you ill. It makes you really ill. Yeah, I hope that, like, people that are listening tonight, you know, even just the fact that, um, you know, you're here, Bridget, will maybe... Um, you know, those people that are maybe cis are just wanting to understand that, um, you know, that's what you said this evening might force them and um, cause them to kind of reflect as well. 
uh, on their own, um, you know, preconceptions about um, not just trans people, but but tra- traveler the traveler community as well, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I and def- yeah, I think that allyship is something that is is not a, a kind of a title that you can claim say under the LGBT umbrella, it's something that's, um, it, it's a way of being, it's a way of acting. And a lot of people in, in the trans community would often say, you know, we're not interested in allies. What we want is accomplices, you know? Um, and, um, you know, maybe that might be something that might ring true for the traveler community as well. I'm also thinking about Alexandra. Um, on one of the episodes, you made a really great point. Um, I did. You did. It was an accident, I swear. <laughs> um, it was actually Eilish's episode, and you were talking a little bit about um, how, um, you know, when cars were first came into cities, um, how, you know, disabled uh, people, you know, were campaigning for footpaths. And the fact yeah. that you know, it was for one kind of, I would just say, marginalized group. And so it was, uh, it was curbs. Um, like, uh, you know, you can get them on off the curb, the little kind of slopes, the ramps. I don't know what way to put it. But um, a lot of people felt like it, it disabled. I guess it was mostly for the benefit of disabled people. But a lot of people felt like it was a waste of money because it was only going to benefit a small amount of people. And, like, you know, disabled people were treated a lot worse than they were nowadays. And... um it ended up just benefiting everyone, like everyone, people with buggies, people with luggage, people with shopping trolleys. Is that right? That's exactly it, you know? Yeah, like, no, that was it. <laughs> I, re- I remember the conversation. Yeah, so I I, I, I think I'm going to just uh, throw it back to, um, to Jules and Alexandra for a bit. Um, just you might have some thoughts or reflections on the conversation that's been had. You know, is, do you have any questions that you want to ask people here? I'm going to hand it back uh, back over to you. Um, I think what, like, as a Bridget, sorry, was saying about uh, kind of solidarity really rings true for me in that. I don't know. I mean, I grew up definitely with family that are very, not very nice opinions regarding traveling communities and um i i don't know it just it it really brings to me like a sense of i don't i don't know quite what word to use but just you know people form these opinions i guess about, about minority groups um and they give very strong opinions and they aren't very like well educated opinions, I guess. They're very they're usually very you know, this is this is what people said, so this must be how it is, kind of thing. They don't really question the ideals they've been put in their heads. And um I I just I feel like we need to kind of work together as minority groups to support each other and have those kind of bonds and and I don't think I always know how to do that or how to best do it. Um, I, I don't know if anyone really does. But it, it's just, um, I, I don't know, I guess I just love the idea of working together. Um, I mean, the LGBT community has a bit of a history of 
working with other groups to kind of, I, I mean, like, what's the woman who uh, started civil rights? What was her name again? Started civil rights? What? Huh? Started civil rights. Oh, like Marsha P. Johnson? Right, who was like, yeah, because she was like a black woman. She was a sex worker. She was like everything, right? I think she may have been non-binary or they have been non-binary. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I think it was just like the whole like queer media and thing. It's like, oh, she was a she. Well, they may have been like non-binary or something. I'm not really sure. Uh, I guess, but no, clearly than I would. But no, yeah, it was like non-binary people and drag queens, I believe, who are the main so so it's just like those kind of minority groups within minority yeah. groups within minority groups kind of thing it's like the um, minority groups who's most benefited from it is not the people who started it i guess it's that like, is true as well oh alicia is saying that sylvia always said that she didn't throw the first brick or they i'm sorry i keep switching between she and they that she threw the second oh so she's the first oh girl i don't know somebody did <laughs> <laughs> it happens anyway. Yes. Oh, wait, now I forgot what I was going to say. Yeah. yeah. I suppose it's. Yeah. It, sorry, Erin, you were going to say something. No, I just yeah. want to hop in because, like, you. yeah, thinking too about kind of like the intersectionality of like the way those groups worked, like all the way out in Compton, even before there was Stonewall, there was just a really cool intersection of like trans and queer youth that really got together and they just, you know, started this whole riot all over the fact that Compton's cafeteria wouldn't serve them and the police kept harassing them. And it wasn't this whole thing about any one particular group. It was just all of them that got together and were like, all of us are being targeted. All of us are being discriminated against. So all of us should work together. And I think that's just really important for all of us going forward is we all know like where our marginalized identities are. And it's a less about kind of just making noise but more working together and realizing that the more we work together the more equality there is that's going to be one so that was all yeah and even yeah. like within the group that we have here and like there there are people with, of different uh, marginalizations be they working class or uh, neurodiversity or immigrants or uh, people of color you know so you know there's all these other um facets to that as well uh, i don't know uh, if anybody wanted to to speak to that at all no that's correct <laughs> um, <laughs> i would just say that i think um we forget it's very easy to forget our own privilege and not to recognize what's actually going on around us and i i know i'm absolutely you know part of that problem um you know one of the most provocative images of of covid for me has been walking down grafton street in the middle of the day and seeing a tent you know tents and you know you forget that there are people you know it, it's very easy to kind of block out homeless people you know, on a busy Saturday in Grafton Street, but then you see that and it's, yet I haven't done anything about it. So I just think it's 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 very easy to say, oh, I, that's terrible. But I think, you know, it, that whole, it's recognize our own privilege in who and what we have and try and help people who don't have, you know, to, to achieve that same privilege as opposed to, it's not about, you know, it's 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 helping people fish rather than giving them fish. It's that sort of thing. It's it's just 
again, rambling slightly as I do, but uh, I just think we have to always recognise our own biases, our own privileges, and and try and remove those from from the scales of our eyes in a way. Um, Alicia, you actually, um, didn't you meet Sylvia Rivera briefly? Briefly. Um, and I actually worked for, um, so Sylvia, when she got off of uh, uh, drugs and actually ended up uh, getting house, lived in this house called Transy House uh, in Brooklyn. And uh, the women who ran it was uh, this woman named Rusty uh, Maymore and uh, her partner, Chelsea. What was Chelsea's last name? Goodwin. Um, yeah, like I, I worked for Rusty for a very short period of time doing some web design stuff. But like, you know, it was this really kind of interesting setup because um, Rusty was like, it's a thing that we as trans people have a long history of doing. Um, and, you know, we're, we're getting better at it. We haven't always been great at it, but we've kind of formed families, right? Um, so like when I first transitioned, I got booted out of the house and my uh, adopted trans mom basically let me like sleep on her couch. She didn't know me from dried paint. Um you know, so we've always kind of done this thing of having to take care of ourselves. And, you know, you see this in a lot of marginalized communities where, you know, there's scarcity, um, where, you know, we kind of band together and just do that because you don't have any choice. Um Especially if you come from, like, like, within the trans community, if you come from like dual marginalization, like working class or uh, black indigenous people of color or whatever, you you, you have those extra rocks in your back sack that you, you just basically need to, to band together or else the world's going to eat you. That's it, yeah. Um, can I, uh, Lila, can I just come in on that and something you said and just bring two things together there? I think actually what Lynn said about privilege, I think it's also is very relevant to the trans community actually here in Ireland to a certain degree, because actually we, for a long, long time, actually the trans community was actually a very privileged place because a lot of people came from places of, you know, they were that bit older, they had jobs, they had support, et cetera, et cetera. But as the, as the community has grown, all everything that Eilish is saying is now what we're experiencing People are coming out younger. People are not getting the support they would have got. They were being thrown out of house and home. And actually, it's kind of a funny dynamic in the sense that we have have that kind of experience. And now, all of a sudden, we have, a, I suppose, something that goes on a little bit in the community is that this misunderstanding from parts of the community to the experience of younger trans people. You know, I talk to people kind of my age who are now out there living their lives a lot of the time and actually don't understand a lot of the experience of what is happening on the ground for younger trans people. And I think that's something that we need to reflect on and need to actually address sometimes within our community work that we're doing at the moment, that actually we're seeing things that have been experienced in lots of other places in the world, but actually haven't been experienced here in that kind of, 
you know, the 1990s and the early 2000s in here in Ireland to a certain degree. And it's only that we're starting to see more and more of it happening now in the last, you know, 10, 15, 20 years here on this on this island. Yeah, I suppose like a like it over the COVID um, the COVID pandemic. You know, I, I know that there was a, a squat recently evicted uh, with a lot of trans people in it that ended up um, homeless. You know, uh, we have had uh, trans people in uh, direct provision as well, um, who just unfortunately didn't make it through that system either. So you know, I guess it's it's where. Um, the, a, a lot of the things that the ills of society, I think, tend to uh, affect uh, the trans community that bit more as well. I know that it, just in my work, I've been, you know, I've seen that more people have been coming to me, maybe experiencing homelessness and, you know, uh, trying to kind of figure out what to do uh, with regards to that and, and the limited capacity in my role uh, can can often be a challenge as well. You know, and that, and that experience, you know, when especially 20 years ago, or even 15 years ago when Tenny kind of was starting to form, was not well known. It, it may have been somewhat, uh, you know, there for some people, individuals, but the percentage of trans people who were experiencing those type of, um, you know, had those type of experiences were rare. And, and that that kind of is a phenomenon that we're, that we're going to have to address because, as you say, like that, that whole situation with the Scott was just horrible. We weren't seeing... That was ex- having that experience back then, and it's something that we need to really address. But it's it's something that's happened in the last maybe even five, ten years more than anything else. I don't know, um, Aaron, if if um, you had any kind of thoughts around that, or you know, kind of looking towards the future, what you feel, you know. I know Tenny is an organization. I know I work for you and me boss and all that. But, uh, you know, if you might have a perspective on all of that, on, you know, uh, the work that Tenny could see themselves doing going yeah, forward. Yeah, I think that Tenny is in a really interesting position um, going forward, um, especially for the years looking, looking forward. Sorry, podcast nerves. But anyway, I think going forward, there's so much that we can focus on and so much more that we can do for the community. Um, from what I've understood, Tenny has been so foundational in a lot of the research and a lot of the structure side of it. But as things continue to change and as there are mounting concerns, Tenny has a responsibility to do more um, and to get involved in more. Um, I know like even in meetings I've had the last couple of weeks, people have asked, well, you know, what does Tenny do? And they'll ask like that is like a, a really quick question. And I'm like, well, the simple like answer is more like, what does Tenny not do? I was like, because you can't say that trans people are only a certain segment of society. Trans people are a part of every single part of society. So as an organization, we have to figure out How do we use our limited resources and the limited time we have to support all of those different intersections? So I think Tenny going forward has to really continue to support Equality Act, like actions that, you know, help with housing. You know, there is a housing crisis as someone that has moved over during a pandemic and trying to find housing as a, you know, immigrant trans woman been very interesting like people are so great to respond but then they'll ask well who do you work for and they hear the word transgender you never hear anything back um and there's so many more things that we can do then 
I think, for community support. So I'm really excited to see kind of what we can develop and what we can put our resources behind to like support the community in terms of, you know, becoming more settled and becoming more solidified so that it doesn't feel like, you know, coming out has to be risking everything you have. Um, I see that there's a, a question there in the chat there from, um, from uh, Alicia. I don't know if Jules or Alexandra might want to um, read it out and uh, bring it to the panel. I guess I can do that. Ali, I mean, Alicia says she has a question just in relation to that intergenerational gap that Sarah just mentioned. How can we work towards bridging this gap more effectively? And she says, I know we're trying with this podcast, but for LGBT people that experiencing familiar discrimination, intergenerational relationships, mentorships can be so important to our developing identities. So how can we work towards bridging the gap more effectively between generations is the question, really. Anyone like to take that? Um, can I? Can I try? Um, I don't think it's necessarily a generational gap. I think a lot of times it's a, and you have this in identities where there's a coming out process, right? My experience as a trans woman who came out at 22 is going to be vastly different than a trans woman who comes out at 40 versus a trans woman who comes out at 10. Um, and I think that there is, um, for a lot of folks who can't come out younger, a lot of us are just quiet about it, it, it because, you know, the, it, there, there, there wasn't anyone there for us. Like when I first came out, everyone I knew was older. Everyone. Um, I knew one person who was younger than me, about five people that were the same age as me, and everyone else was older. Um, so as we see people coming out younger and younger and younger and younger, um, kind of dragging some of uh, the old ladies that were back in my day um, who transitioned at 18, at 20, at 22, and saying, yo, uh, it's time to kind of talk about this. Um, and, you know, like, like actually say, this is the stuff that we went through. Um, because like, I hear like a lot of the stuff that young people in Ireland, young trans people in Ireland are going through and I'm like, yep. And they're, yep, yep, yep. No, no, that exactly. This sounds like, you know, 19, early nineties, United States, um, you know, lack of access to, uh, medical care. Yep. 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 This is all stuff that, you know, I, I joke about, like, when I moved to Ireland, it was, like, kind of nostalgic because I went through the same shit 30 years ago. Uh, I'm just like, oh, I recognize the standards of care. Yay. Um, so I think a lot of it isn't so much a generational gap, but an experience gap. And, you know, we're going to have the same problem in 20 years when those kids who came out at 10 are old farts like me and go and, you know, you have all these other kids coming up and going, oh, well, where are the people with my experience? 
Um, yeah, I'd be interested in maybe some of the kind of the younger um, people that are here. Um, I think Ali, you might have had your uh, your hand up at one stage. Yeah, just, I was uh, just going to say something very similar uh, as Ali's there about it not really necessarily being an age thing because like it's a, you have this weird situation where your trans years uh, age is nearly different from your actual age you know like you can end up in this weird situation where like you're a trans mom to a 50 year old when you're 30 like this stuff can happen you know we're, we're a weird community in a most wonderful way it's one of the most important parts and wonderful parts of our found family experience um but yeah i think communication and I, we're going back to what we talking about earlier it is a thing people who came out in the 90s and thousands, the different experiences and not losing track of the history of what different people went through. And uh, I know Sarah said there about like, it's kind of a relatively new thing, but as someone who tried to come out when they were 15 in the mid 2000s and had a frightening traumatic experience, uh, <laughs> for lack of a better word, um, there were things there. I felt there was a disconnect uh, between, say, me in the middle of Ireland, in rural Ireland, and sort of what was happening in Dublin and Tenny. So I guess it all goes back to communication across generations between the community as it is now and making sure we reach out to as many people as possible who need a hand, like whether they're somebody in the bogs of Westmead or somebody who's living in Dublin city centre, you know? Um, Ali, maybe think, you might. Yeah, isn't that like what we had a chat with Ali about last, like yeah. our last episode, which I'm sure everyone has seen? Um, uh, queer time. Queer time. Yeah, the idea that um, for time, time as a concept exists very differently for, I guess, like broadly queer people, because like in your teenage years, like if you're in the closet, you're going to not have experience like the same experiences as like cishet teenagers so when you come out it's like you're almost being reborn so you're having these experiences like like your first love as you know yourself and you're you're going through life very differently um as like almost a new person (laughs) and yeah I think with I guess I think like my whole thing is like activism and stuff like that so I my my in my head I'm like oh well we need better sex education in schools so that and like that teaches like I about consent like there's this whole conversation with um you know gender-based gender-based violence with the stuff that's happening over in the UK like consent but also LGBT inclusive like you have young kids coming out and saying that they're they're non-binary that they're trans um like I was just talking to one of my housemates who has uh a friend who has like uh a child who's like a, a trans girl and how when I was that age you know I had no idea that about non-binary uh, I think it's because of the internet that these um identities are actually being like people are looking at these at like younger ages and going like oh that's that's me well 
I I may be like 24, but I never had that experience. You know, it was only like growing up, it was only like, oh, you know, uh, a boy who wants to be a girl or a girl who wants to be a boy and they're born in the wrong body. And I think this is so important with like uh, visibility that these narratives are kind of being deconstructed. Uh, yeah, that makes any sense. <laughs> feel like I rambled there a bit. <laughs> We're all rambling tonight. It's grand. Um, <laughs> what about Jills and Alexandra? Do you, do you have any thoughts? And I just say as well, like there there are um, people in the audience, if you do have questions or if there's anything that you want to, to ask the panel, please do. Yeah, I just, um, I, I do feel like what Ali is saying because Growing up, I always heard the, um, like, a woman's brain and a man's body or vice versa. But, like, that's such a terrible way to describe being trans. And I guess that's very, the very cis um, perception. Because, um, like, when I was a kid, I was like, you know, it's my body, it's my brain. It's not like, you know, it's not like my brain is pink on the inside or whatever. Um, well, I guess it is. But you know what I mean? They're not, like, pink or blue brains. So um, I, I think that's going to be very confusing and I, I think it does come down to kind of sex education or maybe whatever the equivalent of like gender exploration maybe that might come in. But just, just a sense or just this way of teaching kids. It might not even be necessarily, you know, teaching as much as it might be just giving people the option to explore rather than forcing children into pink or blue. It, you know, give them both, and while you're at it, give them like red, yellow, green, orange too, and say, which is your favorite? You can choose, and it's entirely up to your own perception or choice. Yeah. Gilles, did you have anything to add? Or? No, I think I did, but it's also like changed with hearing this conversation, and it's just like, I remember being younger, even like a teenager, there was something that just happened when I was 16 that I was just like, I knew I wasn't like, you a guy. I was like, that ain't me, sister. And ugh. and I did understand and then non-binary, but I was just like, ugh, I don't know what I am. And I was around people who were kind of like, you're, let's say I was exhausting to be around and I was just a lot to deal with. And I'm dumbing in a bad way. I don't think they mentioned it in a bad way, but I just internalized that. And then I let just like completely shut down. <laughs> and I think I've been shut down like that the last like, I don't know how many years. And I'm one of the people who doesn't ask for help very often. So when I do, it's like, oh no, the like shit has been like out of the bag or whatever. But I do think now young people have a better understanding of who they are because like, I had the internet then and they obviously now have better understanding and like visibility of people. And again, I don't know what I'm saying either. I'm just like, Ooh. so I don't know if I made any sense, but I was like, yeah, pretty much is what I meant. I think you did. I think you did. I, I, I guess like I've had a, um, well, both myself and Sarah, I suppose have had a kind of unique perspective in that we've, We've known you for quite some time, and I've, I've been very intimately involved in this podcast over the last uh, year, year and a half or so, that we've been kind of working on it. And like we were working on this long before episodes started coming out a couple of months ago. 
Um, but uh, seeing uh, yourself, Jules and Alexandra, just you know, absolutely blossom uh, over the last uh, few months, it's just been really just lovely to to witness. I don't know if Sarah had any anything to say on that as well. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, when I met when I met you both first back, God, it must be 2018, was it? When yeah, it was 1918. Uh, mm. When we were talking in with, with Alicia in belong to about the project uh, past, present, and future. I think it was called. If I'm right, forgive mm-hmm. me if I've made a mistake there. Um, but like the two people that I know now that are seeing now is just such a such a huge difference. I have to say. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. But even even the work that you've done, like last year when we were doing the the um, her story uh, campaign as well, was just the the kind of pr- producing the photographs initially for it and the the thought process that you were putting into those um, portraits of every one of us. Like even the thought process around that was so different. And then the development of this this podcast as well. I think. You know, I've I've listened to every single one of those podcasts. The difference between my initial interview, you know, where we were kind of tippy-toeing around what we were going, how we were going to do it and what the interview was and how the questions were coming out compared to the more recent ones, it's just completely different. It's such a massive jump that I think you've become much more confident and much more uh, out there in the way you're kind of attacking us or even... Uh, not attacking is not the right word, but, you know, uh, approaching it. And it's such a brilliant development of it. Thank you, Sarah. I feel like in a big part, like what you're kind of saying, I guess, is that you've seen Jules and I grow or the project grow as well. And um, a part of that is also because of the resources that you and Tenny and like lots of people here have provided to us. That's kind of given us the opportunity to grow the sterlings. And Can I, like that is my personal experience. Let me go and say. Sorry, I was interrupting you. My apologies. I think I think it, it just reflects something again that I said earlier about creating families, you know, but those Yeah, that's where it's going. Individuals to to grow. And I think this is very similar to this kind of experience here. Yeah, and I I, I think it can be and maybe this is maybe what I like about or what my kind of goal with the Sterlings and like my ideal of trans day visibility is building that community. And it's not an easy thing to do to get people to engage with the community and to make sure that community engages back. Um, but I think that's a big part of my personal goal and what I've been trying to do and with our various projects of you know, the photographs that went up around um, around Dublin City, the projections. Uh, it, was, it was that kind of statement of like, we're part of the Irish community as a wider part. The trans community is, sorry, the trans community is a part of the wider Irish community and stuff like that. <laughs> um, I just don't... I'd also be really interested, um, you know, uh, uh, Delroy, you, you have, um, I guess you've come uh, to Ireland and you've found yourself as part of the uh, Irish uh, trans community as well. And I don't know if you had any, um, again, just like thoughts or reflections on your experience of 
being here and coming from you know your own personal lived experience as well okay uh, sorry i missed the other part my internet died on me so um you know like coming to ireland you, i came here with nobody on my own but um i've met all these lovely people that i know that anytime i can um reach out to if there's something wrong or if i need any help anyway it's the it's the family that you meet it's not sometimes it's not the it's not the your your the people that you are born with at home your blood connections that will you will you will be with your whole life but it's other people that you meet out there that make you the person that you are i'm i'm the strong guy here because of all of you you've you've helped me become this person that i am so um maybe for anyone else out there maybe you are trans or whatever and you don't have anybody sometimes it's hard to reach out but there's always people who are willing to listen and willing to help you know um as we celebrate uh, trans self visibility someone might say oh but um i i i'm not yet strong enough to stand on my own i'm not just strong enough to be visible i'm not you can still celebrate your who you are wherever you are in a different way you can still write stuff you can still draw you can still do other things to celebrate yourself you don't have to be all out like myself all out like Sarah all up all, all out like everybody else but you can still be there you take it one step at a time you get there and then along the way if you need support you can always reach out there support groups are there to, for people to help other people you know in the same in the same situation as I was as I am in still I am in that same situation because I'm still alone in Ireland you know so it's um yeah it's it's really an honor to meet all these lovely people here you have you, you meet family you make friends you know it's yeah oh, thank you that like i really love that about like even if you're not out all the way yet you can still have your own way of celebrating or you know you can make your own art and like i'm always into making art um or what was i think as well the idea that if you're not all the way out but you're still maybe listening in or you're still questioning yourself that's still an achievement in itself even if it's very small um does anyone kind of agree with that no sorry and i thought about you were you were saying something oh, no. about... I, I was just kind of saying like is would you agree with the idea that if you're not kind of out all the way or you're still kind of questioning that's kind of still a, a bit of a something to celebrate yeah yeah um, and that's kind it, of delroy was saying is it delroy? yeah and um uh, as well um you know it might might be important to say i mean my um my work out um is very much involved in um support groups as well so um there might be people that are listening to this either tonight or um might listen to this after and they're kind of wondering about you know how they can kind of make make those first steps and you know um find family and find community um and uh you know there there's um a bunch of uh, peer support groups that uh, exist um, all around the country. They're currently meeting online in Zoom. Um, but, but every week there are uh, meetups that happen um, for people that uh, are in the, com- uh, in the community. And you can definitely uh, get in touch with myself. Um, it's the kiva at tenny.ie or just go onto the Tenny website and go to office and ask for me. Um, and, um, you know, I, I can ha- help to put you in touch with um, with the community as well. 
And um, I just thought it was important to say there as well. And I also just wanted to mention that we did have just a message there from, um, from Jordan Hearns. Um, <clears throat> I'd like to express my gratitude and appreciation uh, for being involved in the production editing of the episodes. It's been really great to listen and learn about each subject, their experiences and the issues uh, facing trans people in Ireland and beyond. Uh, I'm very grateful to be involved in a small way that helps amplify the voices uh, that really need to be heard. Um, and of course, huge love and thanks uh, to all of the subjects and those in the Sterlings and Tony too. Um, and yeah, I guess it's important as well just to acknowledge the the work of the the backroom team. I'm usually part of the backroom team, uh, yeah. but it's for tonight. Uh, but um, Tony and Alicia as well, and and um, the support of um, Tenny um, uh, to give me the freedom to be able to do this and make it happen, and create as well that uh, gave the kind of I guess the seed funding um, to make it happen too. Um, and I guess just a, a thank you to all the guests as well that have come on and made the the podcast what it is as well. You know, um, we also have a question there. I don't know if you saw it from uh, Federica Donny, uh, saying thanks all for the great podcast and the conversation. So enlightening for someone outside the community. Any advice for cis people really wanting to support more? I, I think she needs to give more support. You'd like to take that? I can I can say something on it really quick. Um, I think like the best advice I would always give for someone that wants to like get involved and support the community is to listen to the community. Um, one thing I think that that is a challenge is when you hear about like an issue being brought before you, you get really amped up and you wanna hop in and start yelling about it and shouting and doing a bunch of work. Um, and I think if you're not trans, like listening to people in the trans community say what they need and say what sort of support they need can really help direct you into how to use your voice and how to use your resources. Um, and then that way, like you're amplifying someone else's voice and always check like your motivation for why you're getting involved in a cause. Um, like ask the question of, are you doing it because it makes you look good because there's pressure on you or are you doing it because it's something that actually matters? Because one thing that I think people that want to become allies need to know is that it is a challenge to bear the brunt of like the fight, especially the things that are said um, about trans people and even about allies. So definitely get involved, take the time to listen and definitely take the time to learn um, when you're first getting involved. Actually, Bridget, you might have something to, to say around that as well. Just again, being a person that is from a minority community yourself um, and also kind of, you know, you, you would have ideas about maybe good allyship or, um, you know, good ways to help and other ways that might be well-meaning, but it may not necessarily be as helpful either. What Erin said, basically, I mean, I was nodding at everything she said. It's just exactly what I would say myself. Um you don't hop into somebody's space. You don't take somebody's space because you, like, we might have more privilege. We don't realize how, even if we're minorities, we don't realize how much privilege we have as people or as individuals or because we're part of a particular community. So 
we have to be really careful that we don't take somebody's voice by trying to do good and question ourselves. Why are we doing it? Is it there to make us feel better about ourselves? Are we going to be the good Samaritan? Or are we doing it because it's the right thing to do? And when we're doing it, you know, sometimes you can do more harm than good. So you really have to be led by the community that you're standing with. Like I'm I'm going to be learning, watching, waiting, learning. Um, you don't step into somebody's cause and assume that just because you are from another minority either, that you have all the answers and that you know everything. So look, I would say to people out there, anybody listening from whatever community you're from, whatever walk of life you're from, it's not nice on a very basic level to watch people be treated badly. And you can be that person that bows their head and agrees with it, or you can be that person that stands up. Person might talk bad about a group in front of you once, but you can be guaranteed they're not going to bring it up every time. They might avoid you. They might think you're the biggest bore ever and they mightn't want to talk to you. But that is a small price to pay for being able to say, you know, that you're a, a good, decent person. And being a good, decent person involves standing up where others are being unfairly treated. And being an ally. Again, I mean, we have plenty of allies in our own community and sometimes our allies take our voice, they take our spaces, they they use our issue to further their careers. I'm going to, to speak frankly about it, you know, and they become experts in our lives, in our careers, because they might have more privilege than we have as a community in terms of educational achievement, connections. So sometimes it's easier to hear, a, for instance, the traveller issue coming from a white straight or a white Irish person than it is to hear it from an Irish traveller. So we have to be really careful to know what our privilege is. And when we're doing, when we're, when we're being allies, we have to understand the full meaning in agreement with that. Not so go so far as terms of reference, but using common sense. And you have to be willing to argue with your own family across the dinner table if you want to change Irish society or attitudes. And it's no harm to do that either because God knows in each one of our lives, I'm sure, like somebody mentioned, I think it was Alexandra mentioned earlier about her family, your family, um, maybe not always having a positive life of light of travellers. A very good friend of mine, um, she's an activist. We once said that sometimes after the weekends we come from really lovely families but sometimes after the weekend you know when direct provision first out came to Ireland very few people were talking to us because every weekend we were counteracting this people are getting this people are getting that it was just ridiculous so you do have to be willing to stand up and be counted um, but not step on people's toes or disempower somebody sorry I'm renting now no worries. I, I think that's a, a really great sentiment to kind of um, start to kind of bring things uh, to a close. Um, but I just wanted to maybe um, hand back to to Jules and Alexandra um, for the for the final uh, for the final words. Jill, 
<laughs> okay. Oh God. Um, no, I disagree I, with a lot of Bridget and Aaron were saying about and to be a good ally. And even starting this podcast, I was probably the one who was the most like nervous to start it and to be like, I didn't want to just like, this is about me. And I hope that's not the case at all, that I don't like insert myself and make it about us. And I wanted to make it about the community as like in general. And I hope we have Jamon the people with brought on. And it's just so lovely to have you all on and talk about it in this form and in this matter and way. So thank you each and every one of you wholeheartedly. I know I sound quite like Sony, but I really do mean that I'm just not good at sincerity. So, yeah. No, that did sound really sincere and like really nice. Cause I was just going to make a joke and I was like, this is not appropriate. So I had oh, a yeah. panic attack. You can make a joke. That's what I'm here for. To bring the <laughs> not jokes. Lunkiva <laughs> said, or Vanilla said, um, Last word, I was going to be like, uh, don't do not do school and stay in drugs. But um, I don't think that's applicable yeah. to... Okay, no, it's um, not. Okay, so that cannot be the last word. I will talk over you if it is. So, yeah. Uh, okay. What's uh, more, like, I don't know. Um, I guess, like, I hope that this podcast today kind of demonstrates the, the community, the trans community, and I guess our allies as well, and how we can find solidarity together and hopefully progress... Um, our ideals and make the world a better place as cheesy as that sounds but isn't that the the goal at the end of the day is to kind of make it better for all of us and I build a community that helps us achieve our personal goals and helps us all kind of find happiness (laughs) sorry that was like so toppy that was Maybe you just have some um, social media to plug before you wrap up. Wait, who do? Uh, we, well, else? we do. We have, oh, wait, us. I assume they might as well. Uh, the Sterlings as a collective, we have a website now, thesterlingscollective.com. Um, we have a Twitter, a Facebook, and an Instagram. All of those are just the Sterlings. S-T-A-I-R-L-I-N-G-S. Thank you so much. Goodbye.